The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. This episode of Radioactive Metal is dedicated to the memory of Bob Nelbandian. Active Metal. This is Radioactive Metal, your source for news, views, tunes, and interviews. Here are your hosts, Snowy, Rock, Corrine, and Aaron. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a special What About Bob episode of Radioactive Metal. This is episode 728, and I'm Snowy White. And this is Aaron, and dear listeners, you are listening to... No, shit. No, this episode... See, I'm all distraught. You guys heard the tag at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like I was telling Snowy it wasn't real until he said it, and obviously we're going to get more into it here. But this show is brought to you by the fine folks at True Call Coffee, a true metal coffee who would absolutely know who our dedication to Mr. Bob Nalbandian was all about and why. And, well, get some coffee, raise your glass, give a toast to uh, everyone who has fallen in 2022 there. Um, Mm -hmm. and just, yeah, yeah. I mean, true call coffee, T R V E K V L T coffee.com. We talk about it all the time. We've been talking about this for at least the past four to five years now, which is crazy to think we've been talking about the coffee that long because it doesn't feel like it. And let me tell you, man, like it is really good coffee. And this is coming from somebody who doesn't like to drink coffee. Mm -hmm. Even I enjoy it. I am a fan of the New York Helvete. I like the flavor of that. It has kind of a whiskey color to it. It's a dark roast, but it comes out light, which is weird. But, you know, that's what it is. But anyway, go to truecallcoffee.com. Get on the mailing list because it's a new year. And the gentleman that runs it, Mr. Coffee Bean Oculta, he does not stop. He's always got a new angle, a new something, some, something new in the works, right? Always trying mm-hmm. something new, always trying to improve. And he's just he's just got the hustle, man. So get on that list at the very least so you know what's coming down because even if you don't want their coffee today, there's going to be something they do that you want at some point, guaranteed. True Cold Coffee, T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T, coffee.com. Whew, what's going on there, Snowman? Well, first and foremost, uh, before we get on with the grunt here, as my dad said, would would say um how was the holidays treating you and yours down south there dude it's been very nice it's been a blur 
everybody in the family has been sick at one point or another. <laughs> so you got all the bases covered. It oh, was, we did. We did. It, it, it was good but, holidays, but everyone is sick. Uh, well, it, it started for me before like the final shows for um, A Christmas Story that my son was in. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the poor kid, like the last two shows, um, he started losing his voice, you know. Uh-huh. But but good on him because like he was coughing or like lost his voice and um I think it was like the scene like what do you want from Santa and he says the um official Wood Rider Carbon Action huh? Oh and some cough drops <laughs> you know <laughs> just to- uh-huh. totally ad libbing and improv and, and stuff. It was just a good time. Um, right on. But yeah, yeah. So then like I was first, he was next, then my daughter came down with it, and then my wife. And it's just been a crazy few weeks here, you know, crazy few know. weeks. How about uh, you guys? Uh, I really can't complain. The holidays, you know, apart from hearing the brutal, brutal news about the passing of our good buddy, buddy Mr. Bob Nalbandian, it, you know, all, all the way leading up to that point, and even just last night, I went to a Wicked House show. Okay, to to help, you know, like it was the first that that was kind of like, even though as we speak, it was on uh, New Year's Day, not New Year's Eve. I just decided yeah, we just went to a hockey game and then did nothing for New Year's Eve in order for that to be my New Year's celebration. So. Yeah, one saw some great bands. I'll get into it in my Metal Fix next episode, I guess. But I just want to say, yeah, I had I had a hell of a night. Went a little too hard. And considering the topic that we're talking today, if we are not on our game this week, I think everyone could definitely understand. We're definitely doing this under some trying circumstances. But... We're going to get through because that's the what Bob would want us to do. There's no way in hell that if we were to say, uh, you know what, we're super bummed that our good buddy has left us, so we're going to blow off recording this week or whatever. You think Bob would, t- would, would take that? Do you think he would, you know? Oh, that's fine, guys. He'd be like, fuck no. You guys, get up there. Get your shit together. And crank out another radioactive metal. So we're going to do just that yeah. to get us off going. I figured what we're going to do with tonight's episode is just just sit and talk about Bob and everything that he's done to the best of our knowledge. There's some stuff he was kind of secretive about, or at least he didn't share to you know there's some stuff that he didn't share with us that you know i thought oh man we probably should have known that i didn't know that you know so that that was really cool to uncover so we're going to get into that we're going to talk about our experiences talking with bob and having him on the show and i've got a cool playlist of bands you know from the early 80s from LA and he was also a big fan of new wave of British heavy metal as well so I got a mitt full of tunes here that I think you know would if if you know if I, I don't know if Bob ever had a Spotify 
but I'm sure some of these songs would uh, would definitely be on his list, definitely in his record collection, shall we say. So to get us on with the show here and to get us there for True Cavalt's Coffee, it's time for this week's mandatory metal segment. And I wanted to do something, eh, something that kind of fits towards the whole idea of true cavalt coffee and being cavalt and you know that type of stuff that we drop to uh to work to work with true cavalt and i thought maybe you know what maybe while death metal isn't like bob's repartee shall we say i'm thinking he still probably dug the band hell witch so we're going to drop a track you know, our mandatory metal just in that spirit from the Omnipotent Convocations records. For a true Cavalt coffee, this is Hell Witch with vicious audacity.
foremost i guess if you're just kind of like our longtime listeners will know exactly who we're talking about we've had him on the show you know a handful of times and he's still to this day i still considered him a friend oh absolutely you know a friend of the show and a friend of ours personally you know once he once he started to get really involved with the inside metal documentaries and all that his time was you know, a, a lot of it, like, really focused on that. So he didn't have a lot of time time to chit-chat and all that. But he still, like I said, he remained a good friend of ours. And to this show, I'm trying to remember now when exactly we first met Mr. Now Banyan. Now, here's, here's a guy, he was fully immersed you know, within the record industry, like he yeah. um, he had um, part part time jobs with road with road with Roadrunner Records and um, and his own podcasts. Yeah, the Skullway okay. uh, Shockwave Skull Sessions. Right, yeah. right, and that I think that's how we kind of met because when we started radioactive metal, there was only a handful of podcasts as it was. And, you know, even less in terms of metal podcasts and Mr. Nalbanian, he was ahead of the curve on, on the whole thing. So yeah, shockwaves, radioactive metal, like we were some of the originals. And I think that's, you know, birds of a feather. Well, kind of mentality, you know, until you just said what you said, it didn't occur to me how much early podcasting was kind of like the tape trading days. Because if you think about like the early tape trading days and Mm -hmm. the small scenes, everybody knew each other. They did. We did back then, you know, and, and that's kind of like in the early days of podcasting, anybody with a metal podcast found each other somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, like like I remember listening to Radioactive Metal as a fan for the Kiss episode, and then I was doing stuff with John for Iron City Rocks. He's like, "Hey, would you want to go on Radioactive Metal with this interview that you did?" And I'm like, 
yeah, man, I love those guys. You know, I'm like, that'd be awesome. And and that's what led to like one of my first times coming on here, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day. And then, you know, just, just thinking about I, like Bob's been on this show several times. And I know he was also on Focus on Metal several times. And it just, I very distinctly remember one time, I think it was You, Me, and Rock for sure. But I remember, like like something you said, because Bob is just just telling us some awesome stories. Because mm-hmm. because for anyone who really doesn't know anything about Bob Nalbandian, Google him, read the article on Blabbermouth and, and the other places. They kind of summarize the career. But the key takeaway is that he was at ground zero for most of the major American metal events. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and then, like, you'd say something like, man, Bob, like, this is just like sitting around the campfire listening to your grandpa tell stories, you know? <laughs> and obviously, you didn't mean that in any, you know, derogatory way, like age or anything, because he wasn't that much older than us. But it's just mm-hmm. like, wow, this is so cool, you know? That's that's it exactly. I was going to say the very first time that we had Bob on, he re- totally regaled us with some of his stories about, first of all, as he was a teenager, okay, he knew Lars and James from Metallica yes. before there was a Metallica. Hence, Ground Zero. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that that was interesting. Like he told us some stories there. Well, <laughs> so we were hanging on. You my know, favorite story from that one because I I remember him being on talking about this was when he talked about. I I think he like he came home one day and Lars is sitting in his kitchen talking to his dad, basically trying to get his dad to give him a loan for like a trailer for the band. You know, oh, okay. Because I, th- I, I can't, I can't remember what he said. Like, if his dad was like a businessman or something like that, and so, and and he's like, he's like, guys, he's like, Lars was being very professional, you know, like, like, and and I think he's trying to, he he was basically kind of pointing out to everybody that you know, L- Lars takes a lot of shit. It's it's so funny the people that still want to give Lars shit, but you know, Bob was pointing out, he's like, listen, it's a seventeen year old kid. He still was very focused on the business, on what the goals were, and what Metallica was going to be. Like, there was nothing that was going to stop him. And he's mm-hmm. like, I remember walking on that conversation. You know, my dad's like, hey, you know, no, this just doesn't seem like a good investment for me at the time. And Lars like, okay, you know, I, I totally understand. Thank you for your time. You know, very respectful. And obviously, they still went on to be the biggest man in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. But I just, I love that story. Like, that... That's just how connected Bob was to those early major metal events that, you know, some of them happened in his kitchen, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And to this day, you know, they were still the last time we had Bob on, he was telling us how he's still he's still friends with Lars and James and I guess the rest of the band by, by by extension as well and i and i thought that was really cool because it's not like it's not like bob you know he had his quote unquote name you know in the metal world but he wasn't a household name no not at all you know and but still the guys from metallica still retain that that friendship like they still when whenever you know they were in town and could and, and could get together they always made sure 
that they did spend that time t- together. And, you know, and it's not just Metallica. It's just a number, a number of bands just in that whole L.A. scene. The, the whole and I'm not I'm not really not so much the hair, although he did have, you know, his his dealings with that. But bands like Bitch and Armored Saint and Hyrax and Megadeth and like, you know, Bob was always so really closely connected to those bands most of it through when he was 17 okay not only was he one of the podcast innovators okay he was one of the early editors of the fanzine as well his his um his zine the headbanger okay featured all of those bands the metallicas the the megadeth the armored saints before they you know when they're they were first starting out before they really caught on and that's that's how you did it with fanzines you know like if you're just doing a black and white rag you know you're not having the major labels throwing the biggest bands at you you're supporting basically the underground like i did it and and i totally get it and yeah so bob was once again ground zero in that department as well like this guy is just (laughs) he can he contributed so much and so many people don't know exactly what he did and what he you know started basically he's really like that fifth beetle that people always talk about Mm -hmm. or or like you know when they say like standing in the shadows of, of Motown, like if you're familiar with um with with that documentary about the bass player James Jamerson, who played on most of the Motown hits, you know, and and honestly, even like the Wrecking Crew, right? Like, um, Carol Kay, am I getting that right? Carol Kay, I really hope mm. I'm getting that right. But anyway, she she is most bassists don't even realize that she's their favorite bassist because all the records that we grew up listening to. Um, I have been shocked how many of them were not the bass player I thought they were. It was actually Carol. And um, and she's, dude, to this day, she's still a beast. Like, there, there's a video of her and Gene Simmons, and she just takes Gene to, Gene to school, you know? And she's like, no, watch this. And it, it's just like, holy shit. Like, this, this woman is just cooking, right? So, and Bob is very much like that. Bob is that that integral sideman that, you know, that brought us all the great music news and all, all the great music. Like he was part of that vehicle. Like, you know, like you had the famous artists of Motown and, you know, the ones that the Wrecking Crew recorded for, those are the names, you know, but without those names that you don't know, you wouldn't know the other things. I mean, Bob went on to write for Bam. He wanted to write on for Metal Edge. Was it Metal Edge? Am I reading that right? Hip, yeah. hip Parader. Hip Parader. Thank you. Hip Parader. Yeah. One of my personal faves, Hip Parader. You know, Cream, that sort of stuff. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he was a he was a hell of a writer, hell of a journalist. And, you know, more importantly, like what really, I, I think what really shaped his career and what made him so integral to, you know, to the metal scene in the beginning and then especially towards the end with the documentaries is his ability to tell a story. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's, I mean, like, you know, we've seen all his documentary work, which I believe for anyone who's like, oh, man, I'd like to see those. I am 99% sure they're all still on Tubi. 
Um, the two that Snowy and I talk about all the time. Yeah, if they're not all on, then the vast majority are. Yeah, and and you can also typically find them on Amazon Prime, Netflix. If you want to buy a copy, you know, um, the I guess Apple Music, iTunes Store, whatever you do for movies now. I I I can't keep up with what we call stuff. I still call it all iTunes. I know people mm-hmm. are like, oh, Grandpa. It's like. <laughs> You can call me grandpa all you want, but it was the iTunes store longer than it's been whatever the fuck you're calling it today, dude. <clears throat> so anyway, um, so something else, right? So he he is he knows Metallica. He is with Metallica before Metallica is Metallica, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just like, you know, we met him at a party or they, they talked or whatever, like he really knew them, right? And and that's that's going on because almost any time they did some sort of special event, Bob's backstage, you know, like he, he just has like this standing open invitation. But so let's fast forward to another iconic American metal band and an iconic American metal record, but Rust in Peace. Mm-hmm. Bob's in the Rust in Peace book. Um, like, remember I was talking about that a while ago where they actually told it from all the different perspectives of the people that were involved in that. And okay. so like, you know, you're reading stuff from like Dave Ellison, Dave Mustaine, uh, Nick Menza, all these different people. And then all of a sudden Bob Nalbandian's in there. I'm like, shit, Bob, what are you doing in here? And like, Bob was, you know, part of the reason that, uh, Marty Friedman got in, mm-hmm. you know, guys, just stop and think about that, right? Because we all know the stories about how Dave did not want Marty Friedman, right? We all know the stories about how Dave thought Marty was not metal enough. But without Bob, Marty might not even made it because Dave respected Bob enough to like go against his gut. You know, right. with, oh no, he's not metal enough. And, you know, Bob's like, Dave, I'm telling you, like, this is the dude, you know. Any anytime a guy like Bob Nalbanian says anything, you say yes, sir. Like that, that's it. Yeah, like, but not when you're Dave Mustaine. Like Dave Mustaine yeah. says fuck you to everybody. So the fact that he he took two seconds to be like, all right, Bob, that's something, right? Like that that should frame for everybody right there what the impact of Bob has been on on the metal world. You know, because mm-hmm. oh, I mean. For sure. Dude, like, I love Dave Mustaine to pieces, but he's just one of those dudes. He's a force, force of nature. You're just going to hold on and go for the ride. You uh, know? Yeah, and it's so good. So glad that Bob had that piece of rock and roll history and trivia as well. Well, at first, um, it was our former co-host, Mr. Rock. Okay, it was his post on Facebook that I first heard the news. Okay, and I was just in in the living room, just hanging out with the brood and all that. We had just finished dinner, and then just I decided to go on Facebook just to see what's what's up, you know. And then boom, punch in the gut. Oh, dude, when uh, you sent it to me, and you're like, "Oh, I'd like to talk about Bob," I'm like, "What?" And you're like, "Bob passed away, Bob Nobody." I'm like. Oh, holy crap. And then uh, Rock started texting me. He's like, dude, mm-hmm. did you hear? I'm like, yeah, Snowy just told me. I'm like, holy crap. I, just, yeah. Like, like it's time me talking about a shockwave, no pun intended with this podcast, but just like a shockwave going through the metal community here. It did. Uh, and and just, you know, like I was telling, I was telling my wife that 
you know, we, we never met face to face. And it's not like we talked all the time. But when I was traveling for work, I, I found myself in San Francisco. And I wish I would have thought it, had I thought about it sooner, it was one of those whirlwind trips sort of things. But had I thought about it sooner, um, we would have been able to meet up. But like, I get there, I'm like, oh, I'm like, Bob's in the, in the San Francisco area. I'm like, hey, we're here. You know, where are you? You know, do you mm-hmm. want to meet up for dinner tonight? He's like, oh, dude. And and I think I think we had been in Sacramento training, and then we went to San Francisco. I I can't remember, but like literally, it was like Bob was driving one way, I was driving the other. We probably passed each other on the highway. He's like, "No, nah, <laughs> man, I'm back to Sacramento now because that's where my sister's at. I've been, uh, you know, out, out so I could live closer to her." I'm like, "Oh man, sorry, I missed you." He's like, "Dude, he's like, he's like, you gonna be out again?" He's like, "We gotta do dinner," you know. <clears throat> Yeah, so yeah. like we never got to do dinner, but I mean, like we knew each other well enough that we at least sit down and have a dinner. And I mean, dude, I would have just been like, "So, tell me a story, Bob." Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> tell me which, anything. Which a, a real good story, yeah. Which he would definitely have. Oh yeah. I'm glad you mentioned San Francisco because, like, the latest Inside Metal documentary, I think that's his latest, The Bay Area Godfathers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, okay. He might be a weird, like, like, he covered the gamut, you know, in terms of LA and San Francisco. So I want to drop a track here. Did you know that Blind Illusion have a new record out? I just I just heard about this just before we went into the holidays now in case anyone might not remember because Blind Illusion in the Bay Area the San Francisco Bay Area thrash scene they basically went in the outdoor it was a short-lived pro- project um that featured Larry Lalonde of Possessed and no it was and Les Claypool of um now of primus i don't know why the word (laughs) no 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 wait no i don't think claypool wasn't in no but it was larry lalonde's um project thrash you know san francisco bay area thrash project and it just like i said it kind of came in the outdoor well minus lalonde minus claypool Blind Illusion just recently dropped a new record, Wrath of the Gods, and I was giving that a spin, and I thought it was kind of apropos if we kind of dropped a track to start us off. So from said record, Blind Illusion is back, baby. This is a proto-molecule.
once all of um, once word got out and it got back to everyone, and of course everyone is stunned, everyone is shocked, and everyone is grieving. The first, the first um, person, the first Facebook status that I saw paying tribute to him was Kate and Depina from Hyrax. Who, of course, like Bob always spoke very, very highly of, of Hyrax. They came out of the same scene and all of that. So I thought it was very apropos to drop a track from the mighty Hyrax. That was the title track from their Raging Violence debut record, which I'm proud to say, in a roundabout way, Radioactive Metal is also kind of connected to that record because the War on Music label... You know, which me being involved with the War on Music shop back in the day, I can finally, it's been so long now, you know, <laughs> it's been almost 10 years, I think, since doing the whole uh, radioactive metal or the old um, War on Music shop. The label had re-released uh, the Raging Violence Hyrax debut on vinyl and all that. So kind of in a roundabout way, that record has been a big part, you know, of my life since 1987 when it first came out, shall we say. So it's always a treat, always a pleasure to play Caton and Hyrax on the show. And before that, if we're going to uh, play something out of the Bay Area, how about some Laz Rocket? There's a band that, okay, when people talk the Bay Area, it's Testament, Exodus, Death Angel, Possessed. Sometimes I think Laz Rocket doesn't get their full due. They were right in the thick of things, signed and everything. But you always kind of, like, Laz Rocket always, always gets mentioned in that second breath. Oh yeah, you know, and we like to um, we like to give a voice to that second breath as much as we can from their 2008 record, Left for Dead. That was Laz Rocket's brainwash. And for our longtime listeners, yes, uh, we played that song last year, I believe, or 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 when, whenever it was. But it's it's a kick-ass song. And it's a band I think Bob would want us to give a shout out to, give give some love to, because he always he was always very supportive of of the scene, doing projects that might not necessarily he can. I I don't know how much if he was actually able to make a living off of a lot of his. Like, excuse me, off a lot of his projects because they weren't mainstream. They weren't going to sell by the bajillions. They weren't going to get, you know, network TV type ratings and and audiences. He did everything for the love of metal. Right from right from the headbanger zine all the way up to the inside metal documentaries, which I kind of want to. Take a couple moments here and give a little love to those. It was actually, I can't even remember which one was the first inside. Now, what we should preface actually what we're talking about is the Inside Metal documentaries is Bob's labor of love, okay, which he took a camera and a, a 
skeleton crew, I'm sure it's just some of his buddies and all that. And they went around and used his contacts and spoke to various different artists dealing with a particular subject. And correct me if I'm wrong, but was the first Inside Metal the pioneers of the L.A. hard rock and metal scene? You know what? I'm not exactly sure. No, yeah, because... It was originally called Inside L.A. Metal. And then he shifted gears and realized there were so many stories to tell. Mm -hmm. And that's when he adopted like the Inside Metal um, and then started doing all the different subsets of that. Mm -hmm. Which shows his diversity as well, because he had the pioneers of L.A. hard rock and metal. The L.A. metal scene explodes Another documentary, the rise, the rise of L.A. thrash and, of course, the Bay Area Godfathers. The most recently, the most recent one that I saw and I'm we haven't even touched on on all of them. The most recent one I saw was the Bay Area Godfathers. And what an eye opener that was. Okay, because the first part to that was the 70s. Now, when we think. Bay Area, you know, we think we got our shit locked down because, you know, we knew that Testament was known as Legacy and that Kirk was a member of Exodus first and all that. Bob just says to us, here, hold my drink. Right. Okay. (laughs) Because he he got into the 70s. Journey was from the Bay Area. Now, this is pre this is more prog journey. I don't even think Steve Perry was in the band at 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 this time, but this was Neil Sean's puppy, and it always was. You know, people like Steve Perry is an amazing vocalist, and he was the voice of Journey for the '80s. But dude, like Neil Sean was always the man in that band. You know, like Journey could prove, you know, they could go on without Perry. They might not sell a million records and all that anymore but but who is right but they showed that they could go on without him and i'm not bashing perry here fantastic vocalist but i am putting neil sean over big time you know because that's no he's and, a killer yeah. guitar player mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah. i don't think he he gets the 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 proper due for being a killer guitar player i was just of, gonna say that you know because he's it's because they're I hate to say it, but Journey is playing the game, okay? And they're looking for big... They were looking for big pop hits and all that. And it's just not... Like, there had to have been times where Sean was... You know, they're writing songs and he's kind of like, I want a kick-ass solo right here, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I fucking want to shred in the studio. But signing to a major label and everyone's breathing down their neck to produce another who's crying now and all and all that so yeah <laughs> that's what that's when my heart goes out to the real musicians when they get hogtied kind of into that position so yeah like that was that was a real eye-opener like with with the bay area godfathers Yeah, and I mean, like that just, again, like you said, it, it shows the depth, but just when when you are that close to the scene, you know, you may not even think about it, 
And then when you start to like look at all the things that get published, you know, this like, no, 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 there's a real story to be told here. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing is like, Bob was always documenting, right? That was the thing. He wanted to make sure that the story of great music, regardless of what it was, but just great music got out there, you know? No, for sure, for sure. And he always had, it seemed like he always had that laundry list of people that just wanted to talk. And oh, yeah. honestly, and, and honestly, I I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if, you know, these bands, they're, you know, they're Bob's people or Bob himself is contacting band, band, man, band management and... It gets back to the artist who's making the documentaries. And I'll bet you nine out of ten, if not ten, said, oh, fuck, that's Bob. Bob's doing a doc. I'm there. I'm I'm so there. Yeah, I, I completely agree because he was very well connected. He was very well liked, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I'm with you where I think there were a lot of people who would not have given other people the time of day that are like, oh, sure, Bob, come on over, you know, mm-hmm. because again, you also know he's going to tell the story, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, he, he really had his journalistic integrity. Yeah. And yeah. And, and the, and the, and the credentials. Yeah. Right on, right on. So what we're going to do is we're going to, recommend to everyone however you find your documentaries like i said probably the most the most easy way to find his shows is to go on to the tubi okay if you have a you know you can probably get the app pretty much anywhere mine is on my roku tv and all that, like I've gone over many, many times just saying, like, dude, there's so much great, so much awesome stuff on Tubi in terms of documentaries. And a big slice of them are Bob's. Yeah. So we're going to totally recommend that. Um, let's get into some tunes here. Tunes that I know Bob would definitely approve of 1983 in la saw the rise of the band savage grace their debut ep the dominatrix debuted on metal blade record so this is a savage grace with the dominatrix
Another great band that goes back to the early to mid-80s around that L.A. scene was the Mighty Abattoir. In 2004, they were kind of trying to restart, kickstart the band up again. And part of that journey was the uh, demo from The Ashes. I know it's kind of weird. Like, it was a band that had their that had their heyday in the 80s and then the 2000s comes along and instead of doing a full full album they kind of go full circle and release a really cool demo <laughs> like count me in that's fantastic yeah. that was avatar with kill destroy erase really really cool stuff there as we mentioned at the top of the hop, Bob was our first guest on the show. I don't know if you remember that or how far back you went with the back episodes before, like after you discovered us. But yeah, he was kind of like the first one. And I was always, and as we got to know him through the course of the conversation, I'm kind of like, okay, this guy's kind of a big deal. You know, like he's got, he's so immersed in the scene and he's, he seems to be so well liked and all that. And he's not even telling us, like I said, he never even told us everything. Like I was, after he passed, kind of doing a little bit of research. I didn't know he wrote for Cream or Hit Crater. That was kind of new on me. So that shows like the guy's humility. Okay, like there's there's no there's no pretense. There was no ego in Bob. So like he had no problem just coming on to another person's podcast because like you said, birds of a feather, you know, like, you know, we was we were all kind of a our own podcasters were kind of like our own sub 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 genre, I guess. Yeah. For for the lack for for the lack of a better thing. And he just it just absolutely regaled us with with all those stories, and I know, like myself and and Dario, my original, you know, my startup co-host, man, like he, we were enthralled, you know, just as he spoke, and just told stories and all that. And it's not just the the Metallica thing, but it, when he was talking about doing the headbanger zine, because I had done a zine. Back in 1989, 90, I only got the one issue of a of a rag out called Hardware, and I can't seem to. I just lost them to the. All the I lost my copies, and I know there are here in the local Winnipeg scene. There are some some copies out there. I should probably get a hold of someone and say, hey, you know, set me up with your copy so I could make copies of your copy. <laughs> <laughs> just so I can I can have one again. So having done that, you know, and you know, being like fanzines and tape trading and all that, full being fully immersed in that, Bob telling his story, I was just wow. Okay, this this is really cool. And it was something that we we could connect with. Um little known fact going to throw out a fun snowy fact here it was mr nelbandian okay 
that informed me, okay, it was was him that, okay, I got a little story here, okay, (laughs) if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, we we introduce ourselves, he comes on the show and all that, and, you know, I, I tell him my name, Snowy White, and all that, and he goes, oh, like from Thin Lizzy. Wow. I oh. always assumed a Disney cartoon. <laughs> well, well, see, with my name, and for our longtime listeners, they'll they'll already know this, but for relatively new listeners, no, it had nothing to do with cocaine. It was nothing to do with Thin Lizzy or anything like that. When we first, very first episode of Radioactive Metal, we decided, well, this is, it, and it's not like the internet was a very uh, big thing either as well. Like it was, it was a thing, but it isn't the gigantic juggernaut that it is today. Like it was in its infancy as well. And uh, so we're like, do we really want our real names put out there? And now with social media and all that, everyone's real shit is, is all out there. And we decided, nah, no, I really, I don't really want my 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 real name out there. Well, let's let's come up with something. Okay, cool. I thought, well, you know, you take, you know, there's people like Lizzie Borden, Alice Cooper. These are all really cool names. Snow White. <laughs> okay, so that was the Disney cartoon. Yeah, it it was and it wasn't and all that. I just decided, just decided. Yeah, you take you you take from Snow White. You add the Y, it becomes something totally different. And it also sounds like a pro wrestler's name. And how I'm a big pro wrestling fan, you know, you got you have people like Dusty Rhodes and Harley Race, Snowy White. Okay. Not only is this a great type of rock and roll name, it's a great wrestling name. I'm in. Having totally forgot, okay, that Snowy White was already a thing in Thin Lizzy. Bob brought that up. I'm like, oh, shit. And we were like six episodes in, so I decided, okay, there's no going back now. But... For for most, for the most part, I've had very few people. Like Bob was the first. Paul Speckman from Master was another one that was like, man, when did, that's not Snowy White from Thin Thin Lizzy. I'm talking to now, and it's like, no, 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 no. That's just kind of his name. He totally forgot all about Thin Lizzy and. And, and all that so yeah he was the first so i'm always going to um i'm always gonna that's always gonna be a, a story that i'm always going to have and i've told many times you know on this show you know and also as it happened um you will recall for for the longest time there on on this very show, I kind of had that Snowy's Angels gimmick. Oh yeah, <clears throat> you know where it was basically well, female musicians. Okay, well you had Charlie's Angels. Okay, that okay. Well, what about Snowy's Angels? You know, I think that's kind of cool. I think that kind of works. 
And so that was my gimmick on this show for a while. And then I think it just kind of worked its own way out. Yeah. Like I never made the conscious decision of, you know what? I'm just, I, I'm not going to use this gimmick anymore. We're not going to use it and, and all that. I just, I just started using it less and less until it was no longer a thing. The last time we had Bob on, he's like, yeah, snowy white man. You still doing the snowy's angels thing? <laughs> and, and, and I'm kind of like, oh, no, I really haven't done it in a while. And he's like, oh, man, I hope it wasn't for political correctness or anything like that. And I'm like, well, no, 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 it just. It just kind of ran ran its course, so I could I I could tell the disappointment in Bob's voice, <laughs> yeah, that I didn't do the Snowy's Angel <laughs> thing anymore, <laughs> which it shows what a guy he was because that's a little thing, yeah, okay, but he remembered that, and that was something that he wanted to know, so like that just you know really hit the heart when when he brought that up. I'll never forget it. No, no. Um, do you remember your first time that we had him on? I so I'm trying to place when it was because I know it's been a couple times and I can't remember if it was during like the kickoff of the Cast Iron Ring when I was also doing my own separate podcast at that point, um, right. or it, if it was like on this show with you guys. I, I really feel that like the, the story about Bob tell, telling us about, you know, Lars in his kitchen talking to his dad, I feel like that was the first time, you know, the, the, the first time that I ever got to talk to Bob. Because at the time, I had no oh, idea who okay. it was. I remember you guys like, oh, we're going to talk to Bob Nalbandian. I'm like, who's Bob Nalbandian? And I think it was like uh, Rock. He <clears throat> was like, oh, no, dude. Like, here's, here's all the stuff he's done. And I'm like, oh, holy crap. And then I remember we started having him on for, like, all the um, inside metal docs. And just like, man, you know. <clears throat> and, and you know what else? Like, like I, I remember anytime something big was happening in the metal world. Like, let, let's let's give an example of, like, the Black Sabbath thing. Uh, when mm-hmm. Black Sabbath got, got back together to do the final record, 13 or whatever it was, right? I remember us all being like, Bob, what 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 do you think about this? You know? And Bob was really like the older brother, godfather sort of figure for all of us, you know? So that that's that's the stuff I remember. Oh heck, like like when when major I'll... events would happen in the metal world. Like we'd all go to Bob, like a big brother, right. like Bob. What do you think about this? You know, and like the, those are some of my fond memories because you know having the connections he had, the insider's point of view, and and he always be like, listen, I I can't say much or I'm not going to give you specifics, but here are my thoughts on what's happening right now. You know, like like always being forever the diplomat. You know, it was mm. good stuff. Definitely, definitely, yeah. And he was actually. Our 500th episode, we were, we were, yeah, and you, you were on the show. That was actually one of the, the, um, times he was on because we were like, okay, this is a special event. Bob was our first guest. We've made it to 500 episodes. We've, 
you know, he's still doing his podcast and he's still doing this and we're still connected. I couldn't think of a more appropriate guest to have on. So we called him up and he's like, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm always there for you guys. We get him on the air. We start talking and this is the humility that Bob always had. He, I remember him saying something to, to, to the effect of, for your 500th episode, you had to settle for me. You know, like, like he didn't think he was that important. And we were like, no, don't, like, what the, what the fuck, man? No, like, you were, yeah, you were the, you were the first. This is the 500th episode. We couldn't think of anyone that we wanted on more, but he just couldn't, he couldn't fathom that because he knows we've had huge bands you know, throughout our 16 years or with the 14 or the 13 years or whatever it was up to that point. And yeah, to, he was, he was so honored and floored that he was choice number one. Cause it, it, it totally made sense. It, it totally made sense. And, and I, I'm glad we had that. Yeah. I mean, it really did make sense because we've said so many times on the show that, and I mean, heck, you know, because you volunteer to like load in and load out. Like, you know, we're all there to see that band that made the song that, you know, spoke to us. But at the end of the day, there's a lot more people involved. And maybe it wasn't a huge contribution. You know, maybe it was just loading the, the amp on stage that particular night. But still, without that, you know, extra little push, that's not happening, you know? Mm-hmm. And and Bob was really that person on Ground Zero that really had, uh, like, I, I, I feel like Bob had, had a unique perspective where he really got to see all sides of the story and filter through to the truth. Mm-hmm. You know? No, for sure. For sure, for sure. Let's, um... With with all of his documentaries, and that's what he's most note, noted for these days, and it he foc- it focuses on his world in California. Bob was also big on the new wave of British heavy metal as well, and so I figured I'd drop a couple tracks here from that from that scene. Um, one of the most recent witch find recordings was a. Single, it's the playing single that they put out independently, and then it found its way onto a seven-inch split as well. Let's get into that. This is New Oblums. Am I saying that right? New Oblum. Okay, I never get it right. You're close enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Horseshoes yeah. and hand grenades. We're good. <laughs> there, there we are. This is Witch Find with Play It to Death. Thank you. 
I did get the first good news, okay, of 2023, and I'm going to have a hard time, you know, my money job, I'm forever filling out bills and paperwork, and I got to date every single one of them. I'm going to be writing 2022, you know, <laughs> for the next three months. <laughs> Because <laughs> it just that's just I'm sure a lot of people as well are going to be doing the same thing. Well, the first big news out of 2023 is out of the Cloven Hoof, who we had Lee Payne on, and that was definitely a bucket list moment. Um, out of the Cloven Hoof camp, the tyrant Harry Conklin next. Cloven Hoof record is going to be handling the vocalist he of Jag Panzer. So that that I just I think it was just this morning as I was just kind of dicking around, they announced that. So it's like holy shit. The tyrant, Harry Conklin, singing on the new Cloven Hoof record. I'm so in. That is going to be fantastic. So for when that happens. I figured, okay, let's get to a Cloven Hoof song from the last record this past year, Time Assassin. That was a Guardians of the Universe. Great stuff, great stuff. Hope to have Leon again when this new record comes out, especially. He'll have lots of stories to tell, you know, about working with the Tyrant. Looking forward to it. Well, my friend... It's always good talking to you, and tonight's episode was absolutely fantastic as per usual, but it just, it's it was tough. This was one of the toughest episodes that I ever wrote, put together, whatever jargon you want to use, because you're not just talking about some guy in the scene, you're talking about a guy that we considered a friend. Yeah. And, yeah, I certainly hope that we do Bob justice. Before we get on out of here, I just want to take a minute out and say thank you. Thank you, Bob, for everything that, you know, just for what you've done, not just for Radioactive Metal, not just for you and I personally, but just for the music scene. You know, this is just one of the biggest losses and we want to say thank you and i've got a, a full lemmy here in my cup i'm raising it now this is to you bob we love you so much and thank you once again to get us on out of here 2017 the mighty omen it's again another band their heyday were in was kind of in the 80s with Metal Blade Records out of LA. No surprise there. 2017, they had a wicked single, Up From The Deep. We'll go out with that track. In the meantime, in between time, that's it. This has been a What About Bob? I think he would like that. I think he would, <laughs> I think think so, he too. would, see, think he would see the humor in it. I'm Snowy White. And this is Aaron. Signing off.